You're listening to the Sensuality Project Podcast, where the messiness of real life gets sexy, hosted by Stacey Herrera. This podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Episodes contain profane language and topics of a sexual nature that may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to the Sensuality Project Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Herrera. I am super excited this week because this week I have a special episode for you. It's a two-four. That is two chats for the price of one listen. First up, I am chatting with Sama Morningstar. You might remember Sama from a previous um, podcast episode. And in this chat, we talk about everything from embodiment to being present for your menstrual cycle, even when it's uncomfortable. It's so, 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 so good. And the reason that this episode is a two-four is because my second guest, Nicole Katzender and Sama Morningstar are both part of the Embodied Shakti Summit, which is hosted by Sama Morningstar. The Embodied Shakti Summit is coming up on April 5th. It's going to be from April 5th through the 19th. 35 amazing speakers all sharing their wisdom, their stories, their healing, their light, all the things. And it is going to be so, so, so wonderful. You can sign up for the Embodied Shakti Summit at embodiedshaktisummit.com. And again, it's absolutely free and it begins on April 5th. So with no further ado, listen up for this juicy conversation with Sama Morningstar. So tell me, tell me what embodiment means for you. Embodiment really boils down to being present with what's happening in my body. So this practice is a perfect example of that, especially when we're talking about embody, embodying Shakti or feminine life force energy. Being present with my menstrual cycle is one of my primary embodiment practices. We're doing just what we were just talking about, looking ahead in my schedule, tracking my cycle, being familiar with the rhythms of my cycle to the best of my ability. It's She is mysterious sometimes, but then being present with what's going on in my body when things don't go as planned and being honest about that with myself, the people I'm interacting with with, you know, and, and feeling what's happening in my body. And what I notice is, if I try to avoid feeling painful sensations or difficult sensations, it just makes them more painful and more difficult. Yes. And it makes the pleasurable or joyful feelings that I'm trying to chase after more elusive. Mm -hmm. And I get really resentful as I'm chasing after this elusive thing and I'm being, you know, hounded by this pain, right? If I turn around and face whatever I think is painful or difficult and just feel that, then it transforms into bliss. And so that's, that's, that's the embodiment for me of especially this feminine life force energy, you know, and, and the other night I, was up in the night with uncomfortable feelings that some might describe as stress or worry. But in my embodiment practice, that turned into resting into a ground of pleasure 
underneath all of the concerns about this or that or the other thing. Mm -hmm. And taking that wakeful time in the night as a quiet time to feel that ground of pleasure underneath all the 10,000 things of life, no matter what they are. Absolutely. And so that, that practice is what I call embodying Shakti, which brings spirit and heaven here into our earthly experience mm-hmm. and creates heaven on earth, I often say, which is different than a lot of practices that, that encourage a dissociation from the body and escaping the body, escaping uh, the cycle of life and death and calling that the source of all suffering. But it's really our approach to it, our awareness of it, our presence or lack of presence with it, and our preferences around it that create the suffering. Absolutely. And, you know, our judgment about what's happening really does create a lot of our experience. I was just having a conversation with someone earlier today, and I was like, it's not what's happening to you that determines, you know, whether there's suffering. It's how you perceive what's happening that creates the suffering. Now, that's not to say, you know, that if if someone is mistreating you, that you just say, well, I just changed my perspective and they're not mistreating me anymore. They may still very well be mistreating you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, so that, you know, a lot of people use those kind, these kinds of philosophies to stay trapped in abusive situations. And I speak from personal experience around that. And so, you know, I feel in my practice of becoming more and more present, there's an edge there of holding my need and the and the benefit of caring for myself together with my desire for intimacy and connection with others and what's truly caring and partnership and you know truly taking really seeing what's happening in my relationships and and facing them and that's not always easy you know especially as you get more and more into intimacy in a partnership relationship it you know there can be people's shadow comes up Mm -hmm. and that shadow can feel abusive But if we have a ground of a healthy partnership and you know that that person grows and changes and that you can, you know, you have a ground of of a basis of safety with that person, then you can work through those things. But there's a lot of relationships out there that don't have that ground of safety and that foundation of trust, but that people, especially women, tend to use, we can use spiritual ideals like this of well if i just shift my perspective then you know i won't suffer and then it'll be okay out of some you know attachment to perpetuating that kind of relating because we don't know anything different that it can get a little tricky there for people so i just want i just want to share that sometimes if a situation is really bad you need to change the situation you need to get out of the situation Absolutely. Well, and but embodiment helps you to be discerning about whether something is, you know, um, growing you or 
or destroying you. You know what I mean? And it's, it's much harder to, to, when you're not in your body, it's much easier to make up stories to accommodate dysfunction. Yes. Beautifully put indeed. And so that embodiment, it does, it cultivates discernment because you start to, you start to feel, oh, this is unhealthy. My body is responding in this way, listening to, to the wisdom and the message of what the body is telling us. And that's not always easy, you know, we, especially if we've stored, you know, traumas from early childhood or birth or, you know, in the tissues, sometimes the message that's coming from the tissues might not be relevant to the moment. Like for me, you know, I have lots of early trauma where I just wanted to scream at my mom for my entire childhood. I don't want to, we don't, it's not good for us to be here with this man. Mm. Every cell in my body wanted my mom to leave my stepdad. And so I have that deep imprinting in my tissues and in my DNA and in my nervous system of get away from the man. So there's a discernment that needs to take place for me. If I'm ever going to have, you know, if I was ever going to have an intimate relationship, I needed to learn to discern what, where is this message coming from? Is this message coming from that scared, terrified little girl who never will ever feel safe because that's how that part of me was wired and then evoke my own wise woman that has this discernment to see that my now husband of, you know, what we've been together 15 years now, that we do indeed have that ground of safety and trust in our relationship, even if sometimes, you know, stuff hits the fan and, and we both have our healing that we need to do. And that little girl inside me is like, get out of here, you know? (laughs) Yes. My inner wise woman is there to hold her you know, and say, you know, well, okay, let's see, because we also know that we really love Jeffrey and that he is a trustworthy and kind man. So let's just see. Yes. And so it's, it's not always easy, but that embodiment is very important for that. And that, that whole process makes it really important for me to be in tune with my menstrual cycle and to heal the imbalances that create extreme moodiness if i'm not nourished properly if i'm you know out of sync with my own rhythms if i'm not rested enough if i'm not hydrated enough then my my hormones can get out of hand and and i can, those messages can get confused absolutely and you know and those things are are important for you know everything that happens in the body you know i just wrote a newsletter yesterday about um how to how to shit well like <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> you know, like it was like five, five things to help you get your shit together. But I wasn't talking about like your life because, you know, hydration is important. You know, um, being embodied helps you to know when when there's something that's off balance, like paying attention and looking to what's what not just of what you're what you're putting inside, but what you're com- what's coming out. You know, is it is it watery? Is it does it have cracks in it? Like like paying attention, like. So those things that you mentioned about like um, that inform your cycle also like inform like the cycles of your body, right? Like 
All of them. You know, the digestive tract and your nervous system responds differently when you are not rested, you know, or your um, your skin looks different when you're not hydrated. Like it, it's such a symbiotic um, experience. Like the way that we care for the home we live in, which is our body, really does inform the way the home takes care of us. Exactly. And that, that brings it to focus of a lot of your work is the, the sensuality, which really requires us to turn on all of our senses to experience. And the more we practice that sensuality, you know, whether it's pleasure oriented or simply, well, it's always pleasure oriented if you're really, <laughs> but it's not the chasing of pleasure. Like my experience of sensuality isn't like chasing some peak pleasure right anymore it's it's more of can i feel the pleasure that's intrinsic in this moment and this moment and right now and again now and even in the heat of a difficult moment can i feel my body absolutely even look for the pleasure in that moment and and that becomes really rich, especially if you're dealing with difficult emotions like grief or anger or frustration, to feel all of that and feel the passion and the pleasure of the passion underneath that and the desire and the impulse to care for yourself or the love that you have for another person and and what as what's fueling the intensity of the emotion. Somebody could do, somebody that you're just acquainted with could do the same thing and you just blow it off. But because it's your spouse or your lover and you have strong feelings with that person, they do it and it's off the handle, right? (laughs) You're way more upset, or at least I speak for myself. I'm way more upset when my husband does something than I would be uh, with someone else. And so feeling the love for him and the attachment around our relationship being healthy and happy and the passion for that that I have at the same time that's mixed in with that response that I had to whatever it was that he did just enriches the whole experience. So then I am a woman in love instead of a pissed off woman with an annoying husband. Well, you know, I read a quote once that said, love makes us feel safe enough to be horrible. That's yes. the reason that we respond to things differently because with someone that you don't have very much emotional attachment to, there is a lack of safety in being completely transparent with how you're actually feeling. Right. So we withhold, you know, our, our feelings of irritation or frustration. But with the people we love, there's a comfort and there's a, a lack of armor that gives us permission to be downright awful sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, that grows over time. You know, people think- yes. that- the longer you're married, the more peaceful it comes becomes, or the longer you're with someone, the more harmonious it, it becomes. But I was just talking with a girlfriend the other day. She's been in a long-term relationship too for a while. And, you know, we were just comparing notes about how much we adore our partners. And the, the tiniest little thing can be so hugely painful. Mm-hmm. And so hugely transformative as well, because we're so motivated, because we have so much invested and so much intimacy with this person in our relationship that 
the most painful thing can come up and we're, I'm there and I'm with it and I'm holding it and I'm bringing all of my strengths and all of my wisdom into the arena with it because it means a lot to me. You know, I'm not going to let this 15 years of, of relating and, and developing and building what we've built together just drop by the wayside because, you know, of, of something difficult that came up, some shadow side. And, and, and the more we develop that, the more of our hidden shadows and hidden hurts feel safe enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we just this weekend had a whole revelation where I was saying something, sharing about something, and my husband said, "You've never told me that before." <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure, I have. And he's like, "No," and it was like a big thing, a big um, influence, influential experience that I'd had in my early life that I, I guess I hadn't shared with him, and it it really. Uh, you would think after 15 years, we would know all those things about each other, but we didn't. And then he was telling me something the other day that he's never told anyone, you know, and he was telling me about his inner experience in a way that he had never really shared it like that before. And so, you know, this embodiment process just comes in layers and waves as we, as we create more safety and more intimacy with ourselves and with each other. Well, and it it also speaks to the fact that, you know, love only can go so far there. You only have a certain amount of love that's possible, but there is an infinite late, there are infinite layers of intimacy. Like you can only love someone so much, but with intimacy, you can keep peeling back layers because you can never know someone all the way. Just like you'll never completely know yourself. You'll continue to discover, you know, new things about yourself. And so of course you're going to continue to discover new things about your partner. And that's the reason like, um, cultivating intimacy is so important, you know, but we spend so much time thinking that we're looking for love, but what we're, what we're always actually looking for is intimacy because we want to be able to be, to be able to be transparently seen and we want to be able to be fully heard. And we want to know not only that we matter, but that we are a part of something and that we're not alone. Yeah. And the thing is, is that we, we think we want to be loved for all of our wonderful qualities and understood to be the wonderful person that we want to imagine ourselves to be. But what we really want more than that is to be our whole self, which includes our shadow, our wounding, our bad habits, our, you know, seemingly unchangeable awfulness, you know, our deep ruin that we all have. We all have some way that we feel ruined. Yes. And we want to be loved even with that. And so we can't receive that which we're not willing to give. Yes, because even if you're getting it, you can't recognize it. Yes. And so that that's that's it right there for me of, okay, embodiment. I have to give it to myself in order to receive it. And then I have to be able to give that to someone else, to the, you know, to my beloved as well, if I can even be able to receive that, even if they're, if my husband is, is loving my ruin, 
if I can't love my own ruin and love his ruin, uh, then I don't even recognize that he's loving my ruin. Well, yes, absolutely. You know, it's so funny is so often you'll, you'll hear someone and I've done this before in a relationship. Someone says they love me. And I'm like, why do you love me? Why do you love me? Every time they say it, well, why? Because, because I could never receive it because I didn't believe that I was lovable at the time. Yeah. So it's so true. Um, Look, I have another quote that speaks to this. Um, This was actually from a fiction book and it's intimacy requires the experience, the repeated experience of being responded to. And when I read that, I was like, that's it right there is that's what it is, is that we want to be close enough that someone will continue to not just be there, but continue to be willing to pay attention and respond. And it doesn't necessarily mean being responded to in the way you want to be responded to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's important. That's an important distinction, but it requires, um, you know, being continuously responded to. And, you know, oftentimes uh, we are very intimate with, with discomfort and pain and dysfunction, but where we have, where our growth is, is also being willing to be intimate with pleasure and desire and, you know, um, another, like being willing to be intimate with all of the good stuff, being intimate with joy and those things. Um, it seems like those things would be easier, but it's actually more challenging for us to be intimate with the things that feel good. We, because we're so, we're already so intimate with the things that don't feel good. Yeah, it's true. And, and the thing is the one requires the other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're intimate with the things that don't feel good because we can't get away with them. We can't get away from them. We're often trying to avoid feeling them or minimize them. And so that same response ends up being what happens around pleasure. So we're circling back to what I shared about at the beginning, which was it's only when I face my painful experiences, like my menstrual cramps, for example. It's one of the meditations that I share with my clients all the time with menstrual cramps is to dive into the very center, the core of that sensation. And when I do that, instead of trying to wiggle away from it or whatever, I get to the core and it changes to ecstasy. Yes. Well, and because the same nerves, the same nerves experience both pain and pleasure. It's it's a fascinating, you know, it's, I, I do not have any resistance to pain and discomfort. I don't know why, I just don't. So like when something, when something hurts me and like, f- consequently, I have a high threshold for pain and discomfort because of it, but I don't know why that is. It wasn't something I tried to cultivate. My body literally just came like that. Well, you know, and I think that that's something that we are entrained to as well. Mm-hmm. Your body was, you, you, you inherited an ability to feel pain and feel a good deal of pain and be okay with that. You know, that might've been something that you inherited, you know, not just I mean, yes, genetically, but also a, a behavioral response that was for you by your parents. Oh, no, uh-uh, no, not from my parents. 
what what was no. what was your parents' response to pain? Um, both of my parents struggle with with pain and discomfort. Uh-huh. Um, incidentally, both of my sisters also. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. So even like when I was in when I was in labor, I remember like my mom sitting on the side of the bed, and she was like, "Is it hurting you?" And I said, "You've had three babies. You know it's hurting me." And she said, you're not acting like it. And I was like, how should I be acting? <laughs> oh, no. Well, you know, you can, you can also. Like I would feel it. it. It was just like, yeah. okay, this is the experience. This is what, I, this is what's happening. Yeah. But it didn't make me like, you know, like I don't get really angry or irritable when I'm uncomfortable. Uh-huh. I just, I just, you know, I'm just with it. You know, yeah. I also didn't know at the time that this would be my work though. Right. Well, and you might, you know, we can inherit gifts like that from previous generations, mm-hmm. you know, genetically, but also behaviorally encoded in our cells, you know. So if you do ancestral exploration journeys with that, even if the ancestors are no longer physical form, you might connect with someone way back that had the same gift. Yes. Well, it's been beneficial. It's been really beneficial because like I have, I also have a resistance to local anesthetic. So thankfully I've been mostly well and I haven't ever, I haven't had to have a lot of experience with it, but like none of the, none of the medications that in the cane family work on me. So like Novocaine, Lidocaine, they don't do it. They, my nerves don't deaden when I'm conscious. Uh Uh-huh. So it definitely, I mean, again, thankfully, um, I've got great teeth and I've had very little use for Novocaine. (laughs) But the times that I have, um, I always can, no matter how much the the tissue will numb out on the surface, but the nerve never deadens. Uh So it's like, oh, my jaw feels numb and my gums feel numb. But if they, as soon as they touch the tooth, I'm like, I can feel that. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, again, but I didn't even know that because I had been, you know, I'd been so well. Um, I didn't realize that I had a resistance to the, to, um, local anesthesia until I was a grown up. So it's, it's a benefit, but I can't say that I've always been as present with pleasure. Uh huh. So you're able to be pre- present with pain, but pleasure has, I had to work on that. <laughs> you had to work on that. Yes. Well, and, yeah. and, and I'm curious about how you worked on that is probably because you have to create pleasurable situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pain just happens. It's not something I seek. I'll tell you that. That's right. <laughs> but pleasure, you know, and that's something I'm, I'm realizing more and more as uh, embodiment practice is to actually cultivate Mm-hmm. pleasure not chase after it but do the things that i know produce pleasure cult that nourish pleasure in my life and and that means creating the health you know nourishing my body to be the healthiest that i can um nourishing my thoughts and my moods to be as pleasurable as as i can you know, change for me, changing my relationship to pain because I didn't inherit that thing that you have. So I get very <laughs> uncomfortable and very uh, grouchy and upset about when I'm in pain. And so shifting my attitude about that has been very important for me, like I shared before. But yeah, so I'm curious to hear how you cultivate, have cultivated pleasure. 
Well, you know, like it's the um, it's the conscious cultivation that I actually had to that I had to learn. But, you know, like even in in moments, like even as we're talking, like I instinctively like I'm I'm only half dressed. So I only have like a, a, a T-shirt on and nothing else. But like I instinctively um, like rub my fingers up and down my thighs. That feels good to me. And so I, I consciously do that. It's something that I always did, but I I didn't always have the embodiment to recognize the sensation. Right. It was unconscious before and now. Now it's conscious. So like now I bring that same consciousness to simple things like, you know, drinking a glass of water is very pleasurable to me, especially, you know, I love when it's um, because if it's slightly cooler than my body temperature or slightly warmer, you know, it gives me a very pleasurable sensation because then I can actually feel the liquid like enter my mouth and almost hit my belly, you know? Yeah. Um, that's very, very pleasurable to me. Um, just to, just this afternoon, I've got skylights in my bedroom and I decided to take a break and I was able to like feel the sun like on my face. And that's, you know, that's very pleasurable to me. So like my my practice is is not making extraordinary things pleasurable, but making ordinary things pleasurable. Yes, like looking out at the tree branches in mm-hmm. the rain and seeing the birds. Absolutely. That is just exquisite right now. And the light through the window and the spider web between the rocking chair and the and the cabinet. <laughs> Look, I've got one of those. <laughs> You've got one? I've got a really good one right over here. <laughs> Luckily, my husband doesn't see it because you can't really see it at night. He's the spider web cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm around during the day and I get to enjoy it. So. <laughs> yes, but it's like, it's those those little things. And it's so easy to make those things so normal that we overlook it, but it's kind of like, you know, in the color purple, like God gets mad if you pass by the color purple, you know? Appreciate its beauty, right? Exactly. There, and there's so many things, like there is some, there is beauty and pleasure to be experienced in every single moment, regardless of the situation or circumstance. Amen. There's just so, there's so many things. I mean, in any given moment, there is definitely pleasure to be experienced and there's something beautiful. If we invite our awareness, if we can be in our body, if we can, um, you know, not give our attention away so easily to things that do not matter. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, attention is a, is a commodity. (laughs) It is. It is. It's a commodity. I mean, you know, like, like we need to make sure that we're curating our friends because again, Time and and attention are commodities that don't have refunds. Yep. You can't get them back. At all. And so like, but being intentional and, and, you know, the, I think the, the, the crux of intention is, is being present in your body. I think that that is that, that's the spark that makes intention happen is you, you can't really be intentional if you're not here. It's true. So, so juicy. I always enjoy talking to you so much. (laughs) Me too. I do too. You got me all reflective and I'm like, I mean, there's literally one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 
13 little birds out in this leafless apple tree right outside my window. Nice. And what they, kind of apples? Oh, uh, just not very good apples. It's a really, <laughs> it's a really sick old tree, but it's right. It's there, you know, and, and it's beautiful. And these, oh, and there's one on the deck right there too. Oh my gosh. These birds, the neighbors all have bird feeders, but they hang out in right outside my window and in the tree. And it's just, I enjoy it so much. Well, look, I thank you for noticing them. You know, like the moment we recognize something, the thing that we saw has changed. And there's more. They're they're all, I think they know I'm noticing them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They're like calling their friends. They're like, hey, there she, you know. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. Well, I can't, I can't end this conversation with you without asking you what you had for breakfast. (laughs) What did I have for breakfast? I had oatmeal and with goji berries and Mm. walnuts and cinnamon and turmeric. That sounds Uh, heavenly. Yeah. And a little sea salt and a little Bragg's amino acids. Lovely. Yeah. It was tasty. Well, you know, we always have to talk about breakfast, so I couldn't. That's right. (laughs) I had hot breakfast this morning and I had hot lunch too. I had a wonderful um, vegetable soup with Chinese, um, Chinese barley. They're called Job's Tears, which are very medicinal grain and lentils and a bunch of veggies chopped up in there too. And seaweed. So I've, I'm, 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 Two for two, and I've been drinking tea, hot herbal teas all morning too. So, well, thank you for taking care of yourself. Yeah, thank you for for caring for my self care. I appreciate it. I hope you had a good hot breakfast too. You know, this morning, let me tell you, I, this morning I had a a, a very um, delectable breakfast. Oh, <laughs> I I had um, the other day I had baked some some um, butter cake. And I made them individually. And butter so, cakes? Individual butter cakes? Okay. Yes. And yep. then we had these berries. So um, so it was butter cake with strawberries, blackberries, and blueberries. And I had drizzled some lemon in, on the berries and sprinkled a little bit of sugar to, to create a syrup so that when I put it on top of the butter cake, it would be like, you know, sponge cakey. It was, oh my goodness. It was quite sinful. <laughs> your, your, my, my oatmeal is, is very well behaved compared to your sinful butter cake and breakfast. Yes, it was rich and moist and oh yeah, it was, and that's not something I do often, but. <laughs> Every once in a while, huh? Yeah, it was, it was really good and I, I enjoyed it very much. So, so yes, but um, I will be back to normal breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> okay. More like, uh, more along the lines of oatmeal or eggs. Exactly. Yes. And I still have berries left. So I'll probably oatmeal actually, or maybe some, um, I've got some barley, some hot, some um, barley that I can make into um, warm cereal tomorrow. So, um, cause now I'm inspired by your breakfast. So it's definitely going to be a warm cereal tomorrow. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I'm inspired by your butter cake. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But wait, there's more. 
<laughs> As promised, here is part two of this week's episode with Nicole Katzender. Nicole is amazing. It was our first time talking ever, but I felt like I had known her my entire life. She embodies this beautifully, just beautiful, juicy, feminine energy. I just enjoy her so much. I love what she stands for. I love the work that she's doing. And you're going to love her too. And she's a part of the Embodied Shakti Summit. Hello. So yes, you definitely want to listen to part two of this week's episode coming up right now. What is your favorite body conversation starter? Like, how do you like to start the conversation with someone else's body? By eye gazing. Ooh, that's good. Mm. <laughs> that's good. That Look, that's so Italian. <laughs> uh, well, let me tell you, I am Brazilian, so... <laughs> oh, even, even more. <laughs> so how did, you, how did you end up in Italy? Uh, well, my mom lives here. Uh, she's married to an Italian. She's been living here since 2006. Um, so I come often to Rome um, to visit her and spend some time here. Uh, it's not where I live, but yeah, I've been spending quite some time, you know, over the years coming to Rome. Well, I, I've never been to Italy, but it's on my list. Mm. It's it's on my list. It's one of my favorite, um, Italy and France, for whatever mm. reason, I have always felt really called to go there. I, and I've been to neither place, but I know I'm going. Mm. Very nice. Yeah, so luscious. So tell me, what do you think about the, the difference between Brazilian and Italian culture? What's the most stark difference? Mm, it's hard to think of the difference because there's so many similarities. In really? Fact. Yeah, yeah, there are many, many similarities. Well, you know, Latin, we're, we're you know, there's the hot blood, you know, aspect. Um, people are warm, you know, so I'm, I'm not giving you differences. I'm actually giving you the no, similarities. No, no, that's okay, that's okay. And perhaps the differences can can come up for me. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, hmm, let me let me see. What could be something that it's different? Um, hmm, yeah, it doesn't come to me. I mean, there's many, many similarities. In fact, we have many Italians that came, you know, to Brazil in before the First World War and after. There's a lot of Italian influence in Brazil as well. Um, Both of them are yeah. very sensual places and very sensual yeah. people, actually. Yes, yes, exactly. So I cannot tell you the differences. <laughs> I can that's, only... that's great, though. Look, now, yeah. now I need to go to Brazil. <laughs> yeah, yes, you have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is there is a lot of sensuality in Brazil and in, in Italy as well. So Absolutely. What do you, what, in, in your experience being... Um, in a in a female body what do you what do you what have you found to be the most challenging thing about being a woman or or maybe a better question is what is the thing that you had to unlearn about the programming of being a woman hmm well i think um yeah i think there's so much that uh, it's important to unlearn but coming from Brazil, you know, something that have always bothered me is, you know, it was the way the man looked at me, you know, like, so there's this whole sensual aspect. So yeah, and, and this is something I experienced here in Italy as well. So, you know, you walk in shorts or skirt and you get those 
you know, the looks in Mm -hmm. or the whistles or, you know, hey, cutie or hey, gorgeous. And this was something that really bothered me growing up. And, and in Brazil, I moved to, I moved out of Brazil when I was 20. I moved to New York. I lived there nine years. And of course, in New York, it was very different than Brazil, although you can still get the looks and, but it's not as aggressive. So a thing that I've had to unlearn, um, is that men are just looking at us you know, as objects. And I, and I discovered that in fact, it's just that they're, you know, they're, mm, how can I say that without, mm, I think, you know, the female body, it's so beautiful and so sensual, like every part of it, that they're just curious and they look at us. Like if we're not taking from a wounded place in, in regards to the masculine, it's an admiration, you know, they're looking with admiration. So this was very important thing for me of having to unlearn that in fact, when I am in a place of feeling myself sacred and coming from a place of sacredness, I can actually receive, in fact, the looks are different when you are in, the, I don't know if that's going to make sense. No, it makes perfect sense to me. Okay. <laughs> I, I hope that the listeners can also relate to that in a way. And if they don't relate immediately, but one day they can, because once for my journey, once I started to truly embrace my feminine self, my sensual self, and, you know, and accept that this is, this is my birthright, you know, and I don't need to feel uncomfortable or perhaps even use that, you know, to gain something. That was not really much my thing, but somehow we are also immersed on that, right? Mm-hmm. Let me let me use my looks or my sensuality to get to, to places or to get to that nightclub or whatever stupid uh, reason might be. But once we we fully embrace, and there's many layers of fully embracing, but once we once we start embracing that sacredness, the looks become different. You know, it it becomes there's still this curiosity, you know, or maybe even the desire from a physical aspect. But there is an admiration, there is a respect, you know, there is, there is a, it's different, you know, it's felt, perhaps it's also a, an aspect of perception, you know, changing your perception. So it, that, that reflects also in the person perceiving you. But uh, I feel like as for right now, this is what it comes to mind, that it was like the most important thing for me to learn. And in fact, um, yeah, there's, there's, I prefer to wear a long skirt and I feel much more, and it's not because I, that was a, a point that was because I wanted to avoid looks, mm-hmm. but it's just, yeah, for now it just feels like, um, no, it's not really avoiding. Maybe today I want to wear shorts and I wear it and I might get looks because I have beautiful legs and that's okay. You know, that's, they're just admiring the sensuality of the female body and, and yeah, there's no need to, <sighs> you know, to hate them, to blame them, to feel disgusted by them, you know? So yeah, I, in some words, this is, this is a, like a very important aspect, um, of my own feminine, you know, feminine awakening and, and healing journey is to, to unlearn, you know, that men, all they want is just to fuck, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> because, mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's beyond that, you know, what is behind this 
lust, there is this desire to come home through through the feminine, you know. And and once that it's understand, and uh, once is that once that is understood from the women's point of view, and from honoring that we are sacred, there is a shift that happens, you know, inside, and it reflects on the people around, you know. And and it's so beautiful because then the masculine starts showing up in so many beautiful ways in your life, you know, in my life at least supporting me. And like, we like to say grill nights, you know, like really showing up and you can see that, you know, they're coming from a place of actually, maybe they're not even aware, but of honoring the feminine because I am honoring the sacredness of my femininity. I agree. I think, you know, one of the things that I've recognized in my in myself, not even just with with men, you know, looking or um, catcalling, even even when I look at another woman's body, my perception of every experience is completely based on the level of love and acceptance I'm feeling for myself. Mm. That you know, when I am in, in, when I'm loving and accepting myself wholly and completely, then when I look at someone else, I don't, I'm not casting judgment on them. You know, even when I look at another woman's body, like whereas when I'm not feeling good about myself, I can pick other people apart. I mm. can I can look at them and be like, oh my god, I can't believe she's wearing that. She knows that mm. that's not for her body type. You know what I mean? Mm. Whereas yeah. when I am loving and accepting myself, I'm not thinking those kinds of thoughts when I look at people. You know, when I'm loving and accepting myself, I I also can accept that I don't know someone else's story Mm. and I don't need to place a story on them. And I think that that's been also my experience with men. You know, I see it a lot in in the in the dating, you know, especially online dating is Mm. that there's a lot of times there's this very aggressive female perspective of how a man approaches. And even if it's not even if what they say or how they approach you is not favorable to you, you don't have to respond unfavorably. Mm, but yeah. your response, you know, completely depends on where you are and how you're feeling about yourself as opposed to how someone else is feeling about us. But I think that we, no one really tells us that our internal dialogue dictates our external experience. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody tells us though. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you just said, you know, that it depends how you're feeling. If you're loving and accepting yourself, then you're not passing on judgment. You know, you're, you're just loving and accepting others. So I love that very, very, very well said. And yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, um, I'm, I'm so grateful that there are so many women showing and leading the way for us to return home to our to our natural feminine selves and not making it wrong you know because because for so long there's been these two camps there's been the mm. there's been the 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 toxic feminine that's mm. that is victimized and then there's been the toxic feminist that's been yeah. you know what i mean that's, yeah. that's been, like all these things are bad and women shouldn't be able to do this and gender roles are all these things and inadvertently the toxic toxic feminist turns into the toxic masculine yeah 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 yes yes 
so I'm really, really grateful that that now we're in a space where there is there's a yes and conversation happening around, you know, feminine and masculine energy and how both of them are important. Both of them are good, you know, and it's just a matter of of being able to move in and out of the space. But what do you think about, and I'm sure you encounter this often, women when when they are in the space of feeling like men aren't showing up for them or they're not holding space for them and not recognizing it's because they're occupying the masculine energy space. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we kind of have been showing up, you know, um, too much in our masculinity. So yeah, you know, like there is times where, well, for a long time, women had to show up in that way and and we disconnected from you know because like it's it's a very complex aspect you know the, the aspect of the feminine you know and 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 it doesn't mean that ah I don't know how I can actually put this in words but basically because we have been so action oriented and we had to be the men and the women oftentimes you know in the household or you know, in fact, with the feminist movement, you know, we wanted equal rights and etc. So um, we move into this more masculine um, way of being a woman. And yeah, and we castrate the men around yes, us. Yes, yes, yes. That's perfect. That's, that was perfect. That's and, exactly what it's like. Yeah. And it's, it's like, okay, you know, this is like one thing that I love uh, that I say, it's like, we need to learn how to be or remember how to be in our soft power. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Like the power is there. You can use it all that Kali energy when it's necessary, but on a day to day, we have to remember the softness of this power, which doesn't mean that it's not powerful, but it's mm-hmm. soft, it's tender. And in, you know, and again, I speak a lot from my experience. It's not like theories or anything like that. And what I experience is that when I am able to be in this place of soft power, the men show up, they show up. And sometimes it's strangers that show yes. up. You know, and that's the beauty in it. Like it's it's like the kind of thing that you walk into an airplane or a or a train or a bus and you have a suitcase and you're like there to put your suitcase up and like a man just show up to help you put it. You didn't ask, you were not looking, you know you can do it. I mean, that sounds very silly, but it's like that. You know, the masculine starts showing up from different places, you know, like from your men start showing up, but strangers show up to be supportive to the feminine. And that does not make you less powerful. You know, it makes you actually, it makes you, I don't want to say more powerful, but to be able to accept and say, okay, you know, and I, and I, and I observe that for a lot of women, it's hard to accept help, not only from men, from other women as well. Yep. Absolutely. You know, like, no, 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 I can do it. I can, I do, I do it all by myself. And, and I get that, you know, because yeah, it's better if I can do it all myself because that way I will do it. And there's no expectations from others. There's no disappointment, but if we're able to soften and you know what? Yeah, I can receive support from women around, from men around. I don't know if I actually answer your question or it was not really a question but yeah I feel like it's important to be aware when we are castrating the masculine and then 
wanting for their support, you know, like how can, how they can support us if we're actually taking their role. I've, I've had the same experience around um, softening and I, I was, I was a terrible receiver. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was a terrible receiver for a really long time, and it still comes up for me sometimes, but I, not as not as often. And I'm able to move out of it easier. But I was a terrible receiver for uh, the majority of my life, actually. Mm. And mm. when the way that things shift so drastically, and the beautiful connections, and again, sometimes just like you said, sometimes they're strangers. Like mm. you know, sometimes it's like someone that you never would have even ever had a conversation with, but mm-hmm. because you're in the space of receptivity, people show up, and you and you start having all of these beautiful symbiotic relationships. And sometimes those relationships last for thirty seconds. You yeah. know, sometimes they last for years, <laughs> but yes. but it changes everything. And there is something beautiful about softening, you know, like it's, it's again, like the, the water and the river banks, you know, it's very easy to look at a river and think that the banks are holding the river until you realize that the river created the banks. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and, and anytime the river wants to change direction, it will, and it will create a new path and, and the banks will appear again. Yes. Um, so it so the the feminine is absolutely um, very powerful. I like what you said about about men returning home to the feminine because mm. I think that a lot of because of the the way we've been in this either orness for so long, the perception has been that a man needing a woman and 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 by needing i mean just like being in her presence or you know accepting her energy or being a container even for her that has been perceived in a way that that is has made it a negative thing in the same way that a woman you know being receptive to a man has been made to to appear weak because we've decided that that the masculine and the feminine need to exist separately. We've almost mm. unconsciously made these choices that it's either or masculine or feminine when mm. there is no such thing as feminine and feminine or masculine and masculine. The universe and every single thing in it is designed in the yin yang um, pattern on purpose because they fit together. And so I think that it's, um, I think that it's so important for us to to again unlearn you know and it takes a while it's not like easy mm. because those things come up like in different ways but i think that it's so vital for our you know for this harmony and this peace that we keep talking about we want you know this this abundance that we keep expressing that we desire <laughs> those yeah. things cannot happen if we don't allow space for both energies to coexist at the yes. same time yes yes big yes to that Oh, such a juicy, juicy thing. <laughs> such, yes. a, such a juicy thing. Okay, so here's a here's a, a, a random question. What's your favorite thing to do naked that is not associated with sex? Swimming. Oh. <laughs> Look, well, as soon as you say that, I see Brazil and Italy at the same time. <laughs> mm. Well, entering a body of water, so not just necessarily swimming and not the bathtub, you know, but like going into the sea naked or the lake. Yeah, Um, it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, that comes to mind right now. That is beautiful. You know, there there are probably way more opportunities for those con- for to immerse yourself nude in Brazil or Italy than there is in the United States. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that yes. there's very few places that we are able to do that without sneaking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. Tell me how you actually, how you experienced the feminine energy of, of a body of water. Like, what does that feel like for you? Ah, well, that feels like home <laughs> in a way. Um, yeah, like, you know, to be in water for me, like I, as a baby, you know, my mom already put me in swimming classes. So it's kind of like I've, you know, from from the womb, I was to the pool. So mm-hmm. it's, for me, it's, yeah, I mean, the water, feeling the water in my body, you know, like feeling the the consistency because in fact, um, you know, like there's this lake where actually where I'm in right now, which is a very magical lake and it's a volcanic lake. So the water is full of minerals. So mm. it's like thicker a little bit. There's a different density and you can, I can feel that in my body. Or if I'm in, you know, like, let's say the Red Sea, which has more salt, you know, and also has this, um, you know, this different thickness or consistency of the water, you know, and to feel that in my body or to like dive and go under the water and actually you know, feel the stillness and no breath, you know, and like, and the whole water enveloping my body. It's for me, it's, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a very sensual experience, <laughs> uh, very sensual sensorial experience. So especially like doing naked, there's another aspect of it, you know, cause you feel, I'm going to get a bit explicit now, but you feel the water in your yoni, you know, mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. can, you can feel it, you know, um, in the outside of your yoni and in your breast. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's like a gentle touch, you know, a gentle caress in the body. And for me, this is how I experience water. I'm like a marmaid. <laughs> I love the water. And yeah, every time, even now, I mean, it's a bit cold the water here in the lake but yesterday I had to go in I mean I didn't do naked because there was people around but I had to go in and get you know that this you know volcanic water full of minerals in my body and and receive the medicine uh that it holds so this is yeah I, I I have a, a similar relationship with water. For years, I didn't realize that I, I, you know, over the course of my life, I was always moving closer to it, but mm-hmm. I thought it was a choice. Mm. I, I thought it was a choice. I didn't realize I did that it was a pull. Uh-huh. So like, I can't see the Pacific Ocean from my house, but I, I could walk to it in five minutes and I can smell oh, wow. it. Like in the morning when I yeah. open the window, I can smell it and mm. I can hear like the seals in the morning. and energetically, I need to be next to the water. Mm. When I, when I, the further I go inland, the, I could feel the shift in myself and, mm. and the water is, is a way that I recalibrate. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that I am my most sensual self when I'm in water. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, that, but yeah. you describe it much better. <laughs> no, this is, you describe it much better. I just went into the physical aspect, but yeah, the energetical aspect, it's also so important for me. Like I didn't grow up uh, by the, by the ocean in Brazil, but we always went for the summer, you know, like three months by, by the ocean. And yeah, there's such a huge, I remember even in New York, you know, I lived in Astoria in Queens. So when I would go to Coney Island to visit a friend, just like by get like in the train by getting into like Coney Island area, I could already feel you know. And again, New York, it's by by the water, anyways. But getting to the ocean, to the open ocean, that was just a different energetic feeling of cleansingness. You know, like it's kind of 
yeah, it cleanses you, it it restores, um, you know, and so yeah, I love it. But I'm I'm a lover like lakes, you know, rivers, ocean, sea. For me, like of course, I love the sea and the ocean. But lakes also fascinate me in yes. a way, you know, like they, they like, offer a different energy. Yes, yes, and and those volcanic lakes here that you must come around oh, yes, Rome. Yes, I, I must. I must. Really, um, it's just really magical because it's on a, you know, crater. Like, it feels like a womb, in fact. Mm. You know, this this specific one where I'm in, it's called Lake Nemi. In fact, I'm speaking from very, very close to a very ancient temple from the goddess Diana because in this area, there was the cult of Diana, mm-hmm. which, of course, goes way back to Isis cult, you know, and great mother cult. So this lake, it's small and it's circular and you really feel like you are in a womb, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's very, it's, it's very special. Oh, I love that. Look, yeah. I'm so, look, I'm, I'm already, I'm going to be Googling and putting it on my <laughs> vision board today. Like, <laughs> yes, it's I a must. That. What a beautiful, um, what a, what a beautiful gift though, that you're able to that you know that you're able to travel to some place that that allows you to be so fully immersed not just in your own feminine self but in so much feminine energy all around you. Mm, yes, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. It is um yeah, but it also comes with challenges. So let me just put it out there. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, my whole work, it's based on, you know, opening for bliss. Mm-hmm. So my work, it's called womb bliss. My, and, and, but I just like to always say, you know, like bliss um, comes with also, you know, there's also the aspect of bliss, which is not all the time I'm blissing out, you know? Mm-hmm, so yes, mm-hmm. it's a blessing to be able to travel to, I mean, I've been to many, many magical places, but it also comes with challenges, you know, yes. so there is the downside of it, not, not to be um, negative or anything, but yeah, you know, there is, there is the yin and yang, uh, not to say that, that one, it's masculine, others feminine, but yes, and yeah, it's a blessing. This place is really, it's really a blessing and it's very dear to my heart and womb. Yes. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned, though, the, you know, contrast is a re- is also a requirement of, yeah. of this universe, right? And it's so easy for us. We often, we often mistake contrast for, for something that's not supposed to happen. And I think that sometimes we almost um, self-abuse even by, by creating this idea that we're always only supposed to be feeling good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And this is another aspect of the feminine. We are cyclical beings, Mm -hmm. you know, so there is a time of letting go and, and there's a time, you know, like there's the four seasons. So there's spring, there's summer, there's, there's fall and there's winter. So for me, this process of opening to bliss comes with also the time of winter and letting go and, and, and maybe not feeling so blissful, but yet you know that you're following your bliss. And in order to continue to follow that path, you need to kind of open up, you know, the places within, you know, within your heart, within your womb, within your body, within your mind, within, you know, your emotional body, where you have closed yourself to bliss and to love. And that might be a little bit hard and challenging, 
but that's the process. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like also like with, you know, with the feminine awakening and rising that it's taking place, it's important that we, we keep that in mind that it's not, uh, like, I love what you said, you know, the universe is made of contrast, you know, and, and cycles. So we also have our cycles. And like, in fact, I was just, I just came out of a, cycle you know where I was really grieving a lot of things Mm -hmm. you know that were things that I've been working for many years but there was deeper layers of those things that came up to the surface because it was time you know they were like let's say clogging some pathways Mm -hmm. from my bliss so they needed to be to be released and so that required a process of you know grieving and you know, and stillness and being in the void, you know, yes. and, and, and it was hard. It was really, really hard, but, uh, but it moved out and, you know, it, it, it was released. And now I'm feeling like I'm the last few days I've been like literally blissing out, you know, <laughs> it's just like, yes. and I'm like, wow, you know, and so many synchronicities and so many magical things happening because yeah, that was a, that was another layer of my bliss instinct of my bliss body that has opened up and Absolutely. and it's allowing you know those experiences then to to come into to manifest and come into place so this is why coming you know speaking with you it's part of it so oh well i'm so grateful i'm i i am i've enjoyed you so so much um i love i love how intentional you are and i think that you know sometimes um in order to create the, maybe even all the time, actually, (laughs) you know, in order to create the life that we desire, we have to be intentional, but that also means that we have to be intentional about allowing all of the parts, including the not so great stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's juicy. Okay. So one last question. What's, what's your favorite way to be taken care of after sex? Mm, to be held yeah Mm, well hmm, trying to think yeah to be held in the arms you know and um to be to be looked in the eye and to be but to be held it's not just physically be held Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's to be held energetically and also emotionally you know to have a man that it's able to to hold that container and and it's something that yeah it does not require words you know and of course that being in his arms it's of course it's gonna happen because if he's holding you emotionally you know energetically physically it's just gonna happen um so yeah taking care in that way to to be to be held yeah I love that. I love that. And I, and I agree. Look, so many, um, I always ask that question at the end and I, you know, it's so funny because some of the ways that I desire to be taken care of now shifts and changes because I sometimes hear other people I'm like, Oh, that would be really good. And I, and, and then, and then I end up adapting some of those things. So it's wonderful. Yeah, I'll be curious to know because actually like I just thought about it and like how do I like to be taken care because that's not something that <laughs> that lately I've been thinking about it because it's just yeah, it just happened naturally that the, mm-hmm. the men that I have been with um in, you know the 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 beloveds that I've been in 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 the past um years just naturally helped me in, in with this 
container I describe, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally, energetically. And um, and I think like just to to say, because this is what we were speaking in the beginning, I think, I think, no, I know that we are the ones, we as women, we are the ones setting the frequency. Yes. And so when we, you, it's kind of like, it sounds very cliche, but when we know that we are sacred, the men around us, especially our partner, they're they're gonna they're gonna honor that sacredness. They might not say in those words necessarily, mm-hmm. but they're th- that's the container that they're gonna hold for us. And if it happens that there's a man in your life that it's not holding that container, then it's time to let him go. <laughs> that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. Because in order for you to to honor your sacredness, yeah you know, the men around you have to honor that. And if they're not doing it, it means that it's just not the the, um, the the right partner for that moment. It's nothing to judge, but as loving yourself and honoring your sacredness, you have to 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 acknowledge that, well, this person is not ready to to hold me. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And again, like you said, no judgment because no. you know, I, I so often see women that Either either they won't accept for themselves that the person isn't right, so they keep trying to make someone mm-hmm. who they are not, mm-hmm. or or they decide that they don't need anyone at all, mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to just, you know, this person, like you said, isn't ready right now. And they may never be ready to hold you. It doesn't yeah. mean they'll never be ready to hold. Yeah. Sometimes people don't become who they are supposed to be until after they've had an experience. Yeah. And so some that's the reason that sometimes, you know, after you break up with someone, all of a sudden they get their shit together. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. It, it, it very often happens that way, right? Exactly. Yeah. I've had and that he might, many times. And he, yes, and he might be that man that you wanted him to be to the next women, right. you know? But yeah, uh, but that's okay because it's important that that we know that no, you know, I, I'm not here to change anyone. And, and in fact, you know, we set the frequency and you're going to know when someone is just not aligned to that frequency. It's, it doesn't mean, I don't want it to sound, say, yeah, I'm setting the rules. It's not about that. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm in my feminine power and my soft power, honoring my sacredness, that's the frequency I'm emanating out into the world. And that's a partner that honors that will show up. And if mm-hmm. your partner at the moment is not showing up, then it's time to gently menstruate. Yeah, that's, that's real. That's true. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I love that. I love that. Well, I'm so <laughs> grateful we had this time. Um, I have too, loved Stacey. this conversation. Has felt so nourishing to me. <laughs> yeah, same for me too. It was really a pleasure. Yeah. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed this two-four episode. And I want to remind you one more time to sign up for the Embodied Shakti Summit at EmbodiedShakti.com. I promise you, I promise you that you will come away with more than you came with. I promise you that there will be one or more speakers that will speak to exactly what you need to hear right now. And again, you can sign up at EmbodiedShaktiSummit.com. The Sensuality Project is produced, edited, and hosted by me, 
music by bensound.com. The Sensuality Project Podcast is a production of stacyherrera.com.